Okay, I'll, I'll pray, uh, and then we'll start. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thanks for, for this opportunity to, to gather with your people this morning, Lord. Uh, thanks for the chance to, to hear from your word in a community, Lord. Uh, God, help us to uh, uh, just to understand how much you love us, God, um, and to be, be changed by that news today. In your name, amen. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, we're talking about gospel words. Um, this is what we've been doing for the last few weeks in here. Uh, if you haven't been here before, uh, our goal with these is to first uh, learn some biblical definitions of some key words and concepts um, that we find about, uh, about salvation, and then also not just learn them from a head level, but also learn it so that it actually changes us um, and affects how we live our lives. And so I'm going to start by, by reviewing some of the ones we've had so far um, through our Gospel Word series. Um, so back on week one, Josh talked about propitiation. And so hey, the definition that we had with that was propitiation is the work of God to satisfy his just wrath against sin by lovingly sacrificing Jesus in our place. Okay, so that's propitiation, that Jesus takes the punishment we deserve. Okay, and then after that, Josh taught about adoption, where adoption is the work of God to welcome neglected and rebellious sinners into his loving family. Right, we get adopted as part of God's family um, when he chooses us. And then after that, we talked about justification, and justification is the work of God to declare sinful people not guilty, but righteous instead by imputing the perfect righteousness of Christ to them. So God takes away his people's sin and gives us Christ's righteousness instead and declares us justified. Then after that, last week we taught about redemption. We learned that redemption is the work of God to purchase us back to himself from slavery to sin at the cost of Jesus' life, right? That God purchases us, he has been, uh, he bought us with a price, and we are his, we're redeemed. And so today, just so we have a, a preview of where we're going, uh, this is what we're talking about is sanctification. And so the definition we have for sanctification, and you can fill this in on your notes if you'd like. So sanctification is the ongoing work of God to transform his people into greater Christ-likeness. So sanctification is the ongoing work of God to transform his people into greater Christ-likeness. And I think of all the, the gospel words that we've, uh, that we've learned so far, sanctification can sometimes be one of the most frustrating, I think, because it's not an instant thing. Did you notice that in the definitions? It was one of the reasons why I wanted to review all these. Because what, what's kind of the word that's inserted here towards the beginning of our definition that wasn't in the other ones? Ongoing. Yeah, right. It's ongoing. It's not an instant thing, right? Like uh, propitiation, God did it, right? Like God is like Jesus is sacrificed in our place. Boom, it's done. We're adopted. We're chosen by God, adopted into his family, right? If we're uh, justified, he declares us justified. But on the other hand, sanctification, it's ongoing. It's not an instant thing. And this, um, this, this, is, this can easily lead to to frustration for the Christian walk because we're not as good as we wish that we were. We're not as sinless as we, we want to be. So um, uh, Tom, Thomas Alva Edison 
If you've heard of him, he's credited with, uh, you know, coming up with the idea of a light bulb. You know, he, he, he patented a bunch of different things, wicked smart inventor, had some really awesome ideas. Um, he didn't actually invent the light bulb, but he took what was already made and came up with a better one. So he just came up with kind of a more perfect light bulb than the previous guys had had. There are actually 23 versions of the light bulb before Edison. Um, and so they knew that, okay, we can have this thing called a light bulb. We can, we can make this. But the last person to have the best one, he had inside of the light bulb was a, um, the filament was made of platinum. If you know about platinum, that's, that's pretty expensive stuff. And so Edison and his team, like, like they got together and, okay, we're going to come up with a better idea, a better way of doing the light bulb. And so while they went through this, they tried all sorts of different materials for the filament of the light bulb. They experimented for, with uh, over 6,000 different types of plant growths. Um, and, you know, one after another, they were not great. Some of them worked okay. Some of them worked absolutely terribly. But they kept pounding away. They kept trying. They kept trying to make it better. Uh, Edison filled up more than 40,000 pages of notes on the light bulb, creating these failed experiments on it. They tried things like coconut fiber, fishing line, and even beard hairs as a filament. I thought that one was funny. Um, until they finally figured out that the carbonized bamboo filament worked the best in 1882. So, and, and we know even today that like, the, the light bulb that Edison came up with wasn't even like, the best version that they had. You know, it was great at that time, but if Edison would see like, the, the LEDs and like, fluorescent bulbs that we have now, he'd be taken away by their efficiency. And I think that this helps, uh, can help us understand where, you know, sanctification is a, is a bit more challenging. Because just like Edison and his coworkers, they tried all these different things to perfect the light bulb, it still wasn't perfect. They couldn't quite do it. You know, their version was better than anything that had been up to that point, but it wasn't perfect. Right? And that's kind of what our, our human life is too. If you have faith in Christ alone to save you from your sins, yes, you've been justified to live with him forever. But even though we've been justified, Christians don't live perfect lives. Right? We're still sinful. We still struggle against sin. It's a constant fight, and it will be until we die, until we finish that race. And so with that, we're going to dive into the Bible. As, as Josh has talked about um, and as we've done through all these definitions, I want you to know that these aren't like things that we're like, oh, this is what propitiation is because I feel like defining it this way. No, this is actually from the Bible, right? This is from the word of God. That's where we're getting these definitions from. Those exact words aren't in the Bible, that quotation there, but it comes out of the word of God because that's where authority lies. Okay, so the first uh, verse we're going to take a look at um, is Philippians 3, 10 to 14. Philippians 3, 10 to 14. So if you have a Bible with you or you have your phone, if you would whip that out. Um, and what I'm going to have you do is uh, read that and with, you know, one, two, three, four other people around you, um, read it together and then talk about what is this saying about sanctification. Okay, so tell me what this says about our sanctification. Okay, go ahead.
One more, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you're welcome. You're good. No worries. <laughs> That's right. It's a later riser. It's fine. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll bring it back in. What were, uh, what were some things that we, uh, that we found from here where, where Paul was writing in, in Philippians about this? Yes, Ginny. Okay, yes, right? It's, it's talking about him, himself, right? He's saying this uh, about himself, Paul is here, right? And what does he, what does he say about um, about himself here. He's imperfect, right? This is, right? this is the Apostle Paul, right? He's a pretty important dude in the Bible, wrote a bunch of our New Testament books that we have. Um, and Paul is saying here, as he's writing to the Philippians, am I perfect? No, right? He says that not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, right? He's not already perfect, He's not sinless right here, right? And that's, that's what we talked about um, when we introduced it. So our first point here is that sanctification is ongoing, right? It's not momentary. It's progressive throughout our lives, as it was here with Paul, right? Sanctification starts when we've been justified, right? When God uh, chooses us as his own, but it doesn't end until our body is dead, and, you know, it might feel like we, you know, we start making growth towards, um, towards uh, being better in one area of our life. We might be, you know, starting, ah, man, I feel like I'm cutting out sin right here. But then, you know, we encounter a roadblock. That's just kind of what life is. And that's frustrating, right? We maybe do well fighting, in, fighting sin, but we give in to temptation. We want to serve God, but we don't do it as well as we should. Sanctification is a lifelong event of becoming more and more like Christ and less and less sinful. You know, I, I think I, you know, I personally have moments where, like, I just feel, feel tired because there, there, there's a, it uh, seems like a, a roadblock in the way of my own sanctification. That, you know, I try and try to stop sinning in one area and it just happens again, right? Like, that's, that's just part of the Christian walk. Um, if, you're, if, if you're a believer, God still loves you. And if you are his, you might fail for a bit, but persevere through that. That's what sanctification is. Repent of your sins in the present and go to the Lord and he promises that he'll forgive you and keep trying. And that's what God calls us to. You know, the, we, should, we should never get to the point in our lives where we're just like, yes, boom, I'm done. I'm perfect now. That's just not what our life is like. It just doesn't happen like that. It's kind of like a, a swimmer that's, you know, you know, they trained and they qualified for the Olympics and then they just stopped training, right? No, they're not going to stop training when they qualify for the Olympics. They're going to keep going until they actually get to the Olympics so they can perform as well as they could. They're not going to stop short. They keep persevering through that. And even after they get to the Olympics, and even if they might be winning a gold medal, what do they want to do the next time? Well, they want to keep training so they can get back to the Olympics and get another gold medal. That's what our Christian walk should be. 
See, sanctification is ongoing. We have to take kind of a long view of it. Don't get discouraged or, or beaten down or lazy or apathetic in the present. Because if you are a Christian, then we know where we're going. So we should persevere. David Pallison writes, I think I put this one up here. Yep, cool. Um, he writes, in your sanctification journey and in your ministry to others, you must operate on a scale that can envision a lifetime, even while communicating the urgency of today's significant choice. Right? What, mat- what you do matters today, but you have to take a long view of it because that's what, what our life is. Uh, God is the, 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 the vine dresser who's constantly pruning us his branches who are attached to the vine of Christ throughout our whole lives. And Pallison also uses, I think, this, this really great metaphor of our sanctification. And that, you know, sometimes our sanctification is proceeding at one speed and sometimes another. You know, sometimes it seems like we're doing great. We're like, we're like sprinting, we're running really well, nice and solid, great pace. You know, just going forward and, and making progress. Other times it seems like, you know, we're, we're going forward nice and steadily and it's a, it's a nice regular walk. Other times it seems like we're just trudging along. You know, a good old trudge. You're going forward, but man, ugh, you're kind of fighting against it. Sometimes even sanctification feels like we're on our hands and knees and crawling forward for every single inch that we possibly can. And, you know, sometimes even in our sanctification process, we feel like we're, we're stuck. But by God's grace, we can at least be stuck and facing the right direction. And that's what God can do to us. Sanctification is an ongoing work. Okay, let's go to the next verse. So this is Romans 6, 15 to 19. Romans 6, 15 to 19. This guy right here is pretty loaded. Lots of stuff in here, lots of deep, rich theology. So again, we're going to do the same thing. Um, So read the passage and discuss what this tells us about our sanctification. Um, Yes, go ahead. Same thing as before. Okay, that's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to that one, and there's lots of different directions 
that we can jump here. But what were some, uh, what were some things that, uh, that might have stuck out to you in that one about sanctification? Okay, obedience. Yes, great. And what kind of, what kind of obedience? Like, yeah, right, great. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, right from the heart. Yes, I think that that's, that's kind of what, I mean, there's a lot of things this passage is pointing to, but I think that's one of the ones we're talking about our sanctification, and that it's not just like an outward obedience, right? We're slaves to sin, but now we've been transformed in our heart to be slaves to righteousness. Like if you look at verse, verse 17 there, right? It says, thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you have committed. Um, so sanctification is a transformation, not a declaration. And this is one of those differences between a lot of our other gospel words that we've learned is that when we're justified, it's we're declared just, right? God is saying, yes, it's the judge that says, yes, boom, you're justified, right? When he adopts us, you know, that as well, like, you know, happens in a courtroom, boom, you've been adopted. But in sanctification, it's an it's a inner transformation that takes place in your heart to uh, bring yourself into where God wants you to be. It's an inner change. <clears throat> so, um, you know, uh, God gives us the power after he's justified us to fight sin. Right? Paul talks about in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians that in him we're a new creation. And we should put on the new self talks about that in Ephesians and Colossians. This is that same language of sanctification that like it's, uh, it's, it's welling up within us to help us fight sin. And no, we will not be perfect in the present, but God gives us the power gradually as he shapes our heart and changes it into what he wants us to be. And we'll never be perfect in this body, but by the grace of God, we can fight sin. We have the power to do that because he is changing us. So um, Augustine of Hippo, so one of our, my favorite church history dudes, um, he was like late 4th, early 5th centuries, um, wrote about this, right? He saw humanity struggle with sin in four different parts, right? Okay, perfect, yeah. So before the fall, right, this is, so this is at creation, when God created Adam and Eve and gave them certain commands, Adam and us with Adam, we are able to sin, right? They had the capacity to sin, and, unfortunately, you know, Adam made the wrong choice. Adam chose to sin. And so, this led us to the next uh, epic of, uh, of the world's story of history. And that after the fall, we are not able not to sin. Right? And this is, this is kind of the standard of humanity. That, like, there is no one that is able to not sin. That us who are in Adam, we're not able not to sin. That's where, where we would be. Until those who are in Christ, now, if you are in Christ, you are able to not sin. And that by the grace of God, you can go before him, receive forgiveness, and actively fight sin. Because God is giving us that power to do that. The old self is buried and we have new life in Christ. Even though sin still exists in our hearts. Okay, and then uh, this one right here, right? So that one, right? This is, this, is, this is where we are right now in redemptive history. And this is what sanctification is. That we're fighting sin, but it's tough. We need the grace of God. Um, and then finally, and this is, you know, pointing forward towards next week, that when we die, 
Um, if you are in Christ, then we get a new resurrection body and we are no longer able to sin. And this is where we're heading as Christians. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week, so I'm not going to spend too much time here. Okay, here's the last one that we're going to do. Okay, so this is John 17, 15 through 19. John 17, 15 through 19. So this is Jesus, um, and he's praying for his people here. So go ahead, read that. Um, tell us what this means about sanctification. Okay, in Jesus' prayer here, what is, he, what, what is he saying that sanctification comes from? I think I might have heard it. The word, right? Sanctify them in your word, right? He's praying to the Father, and he says, okay, they're sanctified in the word, right? The word of God, the Bible. And so we know that the Bible is the instrument by which we are, we are sanctified. It's done through the word of God. And that we learn God's word, and that helps sanctify that. To sanctify us. And we do that best when we're among God's people in his church, which is, you know, that's where we're gathering Sunday, and the focus of our Sunday gatherings is around the preaching of God's word. We do that best in the context of being a part of a church with God's people. And the Holy Spirit speaks through the word of God to our hearts when we're there. In Hebrews uh, 10, I'm just going to jump to this. Okay. So, um, right, the Holy Spirit, we know the Holy Spirit is the worker, right? The Holy Spirit works through us uh, to sanctify us gradually into more and more to be like Christ. The word is the instrument. We get that from what we just read in John 17. And then the church is the context, right? That's where this best happens. And Hebrews 10, 24, the verse that I have up there, um, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. With God's people, that's where we, we, can, we can build each other up. We can encourage each other. We can hold each other accountable. We can say, yes, okay, I know. I see that you're fighting sin well there. Let me pray for you as fellow members of, of the body. We can, uh, when we see some, uh, an area of sin in someone else's life that we love, we can, we can confront them about it biblically and encourage them and say, yeah, you know, follow God and point to the Bible with that. You know, Christian friends can help sanctify us by encouraging us when we get discouraged. And when we read God's word, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin as we draw near to him in repentance. You know, whenever you're doing something challenging, it's best to be around others that can encourage you. I know I'm, I'm a big uh, runner. I love to run, which I know not many people do. Um, but, uh, you know, when I'm out there, especially in a race, if you are fading and it feels tiring and it's like, oh, I just want to get to the finish line. This sucks. Having someone there to say, go, Ben. It's like, oh, oh I, can, I can maybe do this. Yes, it makes a big difference when you're around people that can encourage you. 
to help us finish well. Okay, so what should sanctification produce in us? Well, first of all, it should produce patience, right? The road we know is long, but God loves us and wants us to become more and more like him. So don't be discouraged. If you have been justified, we know that we are justified. We know that we're not yet perfect. Trust that the Lord will give you the grace that you need. So come before him with repentance, and he promises to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Right? Um, we will one day be restored to perfection, but sanctification is lifelong. Uh, uh, I'm going to go to this one and I'll come back. Um, so John Calvin says that this restoration right, will not, uh, does not take place in one moment or one day or one year. In order that, may, that believers may reach this goal, which is the shining image of God, God assigns them a race of repentance, which they are to run throughout their lives. That's what we're called to. Be steady in running that race and persevere. Right? We know in, in, in Philippians, it says that, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that if God has justified you, he is working. Persevere in your race. Keep going. Uh, repent of your sins. We know that God will eventually sanctify us completely, which is what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking of the life of, uh, of Peter. You know, this is, this is a guy who, who, was, uh, who listened to Jesus' call to be a disciple. Peter followed Jesus. He was a witness to, to all of his, his, his works on earth. You know, he, he, he kind of understood a little bit, but when it came down to it, when Jesus was, uh, was being taken away to be crucified, what did Peter do? You know, he, he denied him. And, and th but Peter didn't, didn't stop. Peter still, uh, Peter still pursued God, and you could see how, how God worked in Peter's life, worked in Peter's heart to bring him towards where he wanted him to be. And so after... Um, Peter had denied Jesus, said, no, I'm not, I don't know this guy. Jesus had died on the cross. Jesus then came back to life, and Peter was, was distraught. But Jesus went out to Peter and restored him and said, Peter, go, feed my sheep, right? be my servant. And even though Peter had failed, in one sense, God used that to prepare him for what he had for him in the future. And I think that's, he, that's what he can do to, to all of us. And that, yes, we're going to fail. We're going to sin consistently throughout our life. But keep pursuing Christ. As he eventually will bring us to, to him. I want to end with this, uh, this quote. Um, again, this is from David Pallison. Um, and this is, this is a comfort, I think, for Christians. That we are one in Christ. We are headed home. And we will see his face. And all will be made well. So trust in him today. Let's pray. Dear God, um, we thank you that you are working actively in our lives, God. You are working in our hearts. God, I, I pray for, for people out uh, about there that, that are fighting sin, God. Um, give them, give their perseverance. Give them patience. Uh, give them people around them that can encourage them uh, to pursue you, Lord. And give us comfort that uh, even if it's hard in the present, Lord, we know that you are working all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.